Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And we are assembled here today to discuss the week's technology news, or at least riff off it to a large extent. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't been a great week, has it? That's been the running theme, I think, <laughs> of the last, I don't know, month, couple of months. It does feel like, I was looking at the, I think you did a bang up job, by the way, of story selection. Did um, I? Cause, yeah, because when I was looking, I was like... I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about this week. It's just nothing going on. No. Well, I scoured the week. That might become apparent, though, as we go through the show. No, I think this... I th- honestly, I think we've got some great stuff to talk about this week. I do apologise in advance. We are going to talk about Elon Musk, but I can uh, I can almost guarantee that the references to the Musk, uh, the elongated muskrat, will be fairly brief. Um, so that's Okay. I did think we should open with a bit of feedback we had coming from James. Do you remember last week we did briefly touch on the Member of Parliament who watched pornography in the Commons? And we did wonder yes. how how you accidentally stumble across uh, yeah. pornography when reading about tractors. Well, we had this email come in that um, I think the subject line was just something like tractors and there was no real body to the email other than one paragraph without any explanation or context. So I'm going to read it verbatim. This came in from James. And and this there's no hello. There's no anything. It's just the, the following. Bob goes to see his friend Pete. He finds Pete in his barn, dancing naked around his farming machinery. What are you doing? asks Bob. Pete stops dancing and says, My wife has been ignoring me lately. So I talked to my psychiatrist, and he said I needed to do something sexy to attract her. That's it. Very good. So I feel Very like good. I feel like we have truly inspired our listeners to be creative in their correspondence and send us fan fiction, essentially. <laughs> Almost like the sort of nonsense that uh, a certain culture secretary likes to write in her spare time. Some of her books are on Audible. I've never bought one, but... Oh, I would please beg of you not to. Okay. We don't want to fund her or in any way encourage her. Hmm. She her, she did come up on Have I Got News For You this week, uh, I have to say, as in mockery of, of her about... Yeah. Channel Five being I was privatized, and it was going to say was someone was someone sick on screen, port, uh, pointing out that it, it was never privatized because it was never a public company, um, uh, government owned, public owned rather. Yes, but anyway, anyway, let's let's talk about someone slightly less irritating. Um, Engadget wrote this week that Elon Musk's forty-four billion dollar Twitter acquisition, uh, which hasn't actually been finalized yet, let's not forget. Uh, it isn't done, uh, but but MPs in the UK are already inviting him to discuss the changes 
he wants to implement for the website. Engadget calls it a website. Is Twitter a website? I mean, yes. It has a website, but is it a website? I would say it is a website. I would say it is very much a website. Okay, very well. Well, the fact is, um, there is a letter sent to Mr. Musk, and um, I have a copy of the letter um, sent by Julian Knight and uh, I thought it's not very long I thought I'd read this in full it makes it it, it's quite interesting to hear what uh, what he has to say here's here's the letter as sent on the 29th of April dear Mr Musk I chair the UK House of Commons digital culture media and sports select committee a parliamentary cross-party group of MPs that investigates new developments and scrutinizes government policy making in these sectors I mean that's a strong intro that's a strong intro right there My committee has noted your proposed acquisition of Twitter, and we are interested in the developments you propose. A bit of of a word echo there. Propose used twice in the same sentence. Wouldn't have advised that from our culture uh, secretary, but that's okay. Um, In particular, your intention to roll out verification for all users echoes our calls on the UK government as part of proposed legislation, which we hope will restore the UK's public trust in digital platforms. Our 2020 report on misinformation in the COVID infodemic, put that in quotes, which is helpful, called for greater transparency of bots and automated and spam accounts, whilst our recent report on the UK's online safety bill discussed discussed ways to balance civil liberties like freedom of expression with the need to tackle pernicious, pervasive online child sexual exploitation and abuse. I therefore wish to take this opportunity to invite you to speak before our committee and discuss your proposals in more depth. I know you have expressed your wish that critics remain on Twitter and this may present an opportunity to address any critiques in public. I look forward to hearing your response and discussing your plans for the future of Twitter in committee in the near future. Yours sincerely, Julian Knight. Now, Ian, before I was about to call you Morris... Not quite sure how that happened, but uh, Ian, yeah, you can call me Morris if you want, Mister Morris. Do you think Elon Musk is going to show up? No, no, neither do I. Why would he? Because he likes attention. He does like attention, yeah, and he'd certainly get plenty of it doing doing this. But whether it's the the right form of attention is another question. Because we have discussed many of these committee hearings, none of which are in any way legally binding. Uh, or or mandatory or you you could very easily just ignore them Uh, and certainly many people have most notably I think we can recall Mark Zuckerberg when the uh, previous uh, incarnation of of this committee wanted him to come and answer their questions about Cambridge Analytica and companies routinely get invited to participate um, via their executives in these panels i cover a lot of them at bloomberg and they're frequently they're frequently quite dull just because they do go on for quite a lot of time and they are i don't want to say they're scripted in terms of their responses but most of the executives that appear on these that are quite senior they're very much towing the company line they're not very insightful or honest they are just parroting what they're told to parrot and the intrigue comes from when they diverge from their script or say something that maybe they were trying to avoid saying um but certainly they're not compulsory to to appear 
uh, the executives invited, that is. So um, whether or not this is a something of a phantom invite, we'll, we, we still have to wait and see. But I do think it would be very interesting if he did come. And there is part of me, a very small part, that does wonder, actually, if, if he would do it, depending on whether any of these, uh, whether this takeover was in the line of sites of regulators who might suggest this isn't a good idea, in which case appearing and talking about all the wonderful good you're going to do with this company if that is indeed what he intends to do with it um that might be an interesting way of silencing those critics and getting a deal uh get a bit uh, of support uh, for it i i i don't i don't think there's going to be any criticism of his takeover honestly i i don't think it, it doesn't fall under a regulatory concern as far as i can tell um it's not like he also owns facebook um I, it feels like one of those things where there's not really any anything anyone's going to say especially not in the uk or eu where um you know he, it, it's very unlikely that, that there's any would be any objection at all so i don't think he's going to feel forced to appear he he might do because he does have an ego that he ne- needs to satiate but uh, i don't i don't really see what it would achieve honestly i mean he's go- he's going to make his uh, sort of general feelings on it so publicly available anyway that there wouldn't it's not going to go to parliament and tell them anything that isn't already out there it's so it's just uh, these always feel to me like mps just trying to seem relevant and like get people in who like are in the zeitgeist as it were you know rather than actually doing any meaningful good at all i obviously that's not true in facebook's case but then we saw what happened with that mark zuckerberg didn't come Um, and we've got no way to compel him to do so uh i think the only way you could ever do it was to say Rolly, unless you appear we're gonna shut off access to your service in our country but no they could that would be a- they couldn't they i don't think they could do that either what they could have done to zuckerberg and i if i recall i think damien collins did threaten this at one point which is that if he ever set foot on uk soil he'd be issued a summons and forced to appear and yeah, then- but would you would you be able to do that like i mean yeah. if you issued someone a summons they could, could they not just leave the country I don't know. I don't know. There was a risk I mean, yeah, of being sure, locked up in, he... in, in, in a bell tower based on some law, <laughs> like if you're compelled to appear and refuse. There's... Well, yeah. I mean, if he was if he was asked, if if he was served, then I, I don't know how it would fall. I mean, yes, it, it, you could serve him, and then he'd be legally required to appear. But what would you be able to do about it apart from arresting him if he ever came back sure you could do that but he couldn't really? be arrested this is the thing he couldn't be arrested because he's not committed a crime well no but if he didn't appear on on a summons then he could be arrested after that oh well um but I, but then he'd have to come back i don't even know if he ever comes to the uk to be honest i don't know if he's been at all since uh i don't think he leaves the us at all does he really doesn't se- doesn't seem to well he's he went- bought a huge chunk of hawaii so he doesn't actually have to leave anywhere well, I think he went to the EU. He went to Brussels when right. he, when he did that when he did that hearing. I think he does he does travel a little bit, but he I, I don't I think we'd know if he'd been here recently. Yes, I think I, I honestly so. think Damien Collins is so so much of his foe that if he'd have heard that he was he was going to come to he'd Britain, he'd have done a publicity serving have, or something. He'd have done some he'd have done something. Uh, I don't even know if you, how, how you'd get that approved. I don't. I really don't. I mean, maybe you can, but mm. who knows? I'm not a government law expert. But anyway, um, I don't even think. I don't think Musk comes here that often. I I think Musk 
and probably rightly, it just ignores the UK. Like we we would have been a good place to set up a uh, a gigafactory. So you know, build testers that we sell. They sell to quite a lot of testers here and in the EU. Um, obviously, the UK is no longer the ideal choice for someone selling in the EU. But you know, there are advantages to being here. Good, mecha- you know, good engineering expertise generally, um, and quite a lot of you know smallish car manufacturers. Uh, but I don't. I he, he seems to pretty much ignore the UK. So who knows? I meant, well, you know, I, that, that was even on his radar. I probably doesn't even know it's happened. A lot of these hearings take place remotely. They don't have to be done in person, and in fact, a, a lot of them do. Obviously, particularly during the pandemic. But a lot of these things they they appear they appear remotely, and there and there is good that comes from these hearings. And what they're used for for people who who don't know is they will give evidence as part of these hearings and then the committee will produce a document that outlines what they have learnt as part of their hearings and then prepare recommendations which are given to government which then goes into informing new laws or changes to existing laws. So it's not that that they're pointless, it's more that they are relatively far removed from any immediate legislative impact let's say and yeah but but often news does come out of these things and i've 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 covered quite a lot of these and they're and they're often they can get quite heated and i've watched a lot of the ones in the u.s i've watched a lot of the ones that take place in brussels and i've worked on hearings that have happened in other countries in different languages when i've been uh, when we've we've had reporters out there at, again at, at Bloomberg, not on text message, and without exception, the UKs are the most heated. I mean, they all they almost get angry and get yelled <laughs> at, and in fact, sometimes they have been yelled at and and properly dragged in front, like a teacher pulling you up for saying a swear word in school or doing something and forcing you to answer in front of your classmates they are they can be riveting they are routinely and regularly very very dull indeed but they can be very exciting i've, I've seen a few of them that have been good um i mean i, I really enjoyed the leveson inquiry back in the day i mean that's not quite the same thing yeah but um that that, that had a lot of really good people speaking who did so eloquently and interestingly a good one recently um, was the boss of P&O ferries yeah. where he was getting grilled for um basically asked did you knowingly did you deliberately break the law um you know when when deciding not to consult with um with trade unions about cutting jobs and he sort of admitted that well we didn't think we were going to get what we wanted so we just didn't bother and <laughs> when you say something like that in front of one of these these hearings you tend not to get away with it it tends to become a headline certainly in the tabloids but they can re- routinely reveal a lot about an executive's character and that could be difficult for them so i do i do kind of hope that he 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 would do it i'm with you and i i don't think i don't think he will but if you look at the uk has some interesting views on having a spaceport particularly up in yeah. scotland for instance and and we have spacex and we do have electric cars in britain we do have teslas I do think there's a lot that could be raised as part of a hearing about Twitter, but yeah, um, who knows? As far as we're aware, no response given. And uh, I don't even I don't even know if this Twitter acquisition is going to go ahead now. I I, I don't know. I, I I kind of feel like it. It just feels weird. I think it will. 
Yeah, maybe. I think it will. Because there's also a hell of a lot riding on it. Like, there's a lot of money going to have to change hands if it doesn't. Like, a billion yes, dollars. Yes, it's or like, a, yeah, yeah, there's a quite big, a, quite a, a big a significant. Not a huge amount for Elon to pay, though. He'd, he'd, he'd lose a lot. I mean, you, you, you'd sweat a billion. Even a billionaire would be sweating bullets at the thought of losing a billion dollars. Mm, not convinced. Because I think he's dead serious. Anyway. Yeah, he, may, he may well be. I, I just think it's a terrible business decision beyond anything else. But I look forward to hearing um, whether he shows up. If you have any views on this, of course, do let us know. Hello at UKTechShow.com. Oh well, the uh, the government's back at it again with the tech legislation, Nate. Uh, There's a theme today, week, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, there is a theme. Sorry, everybody. Uh, this week they're taking aim at the world of fake reviews, which I guess is a good thing. Mm. Uh, if successful, the legislation will prevent businesses paying someone to write or host fake reviews. Uh, sounds great, um, but is it really workable? A huge percentage of this kind of fake reviews are almost certainly coming from the shadiest parts of the internet. Uh, those products imported from China at minimal cost and then sold through Facebook and TikTok for very low prices. Tracking those companies down, I think, will be an absolute mission. Of, of course, if larger companies are found to be indulging, uh, then that would be easy to actually punish. Uh, but would any reputable brand attempt that? Uh, in its story the guardian quotes consumer minister paul scully uh, no longer will you visit a five-star reviewed restaurant only to find a burnt lasagna or get caught in a subscription to which there is no end in sight consumers deserve better and the majority of businesses out there doing the right thing deserve protection from rogue traders undermining them um, and I, I he mentioned it in that quote but the, the more interesting part of these proposals is that they're also going to ensure that customers are reminded when a trial subscription is ending giving them a chance to end without being charged uh, that's something i could get behind uh, and i also think that would be a far easier thing to report and punish i think yeah plus um i know you have noted here and, and nick in our live chat notes that amazon's planning on taking action against some yes. of these, these companies that facilitate the reviews essentially acting as, as middlemen well, those those companies are not necessarily fake reviews, are they? I mean, they're they're, they're unethical, I would say, but they're not necessarily. You know, they they send people products, they review the products, they get paid a small amount for each review. Yeah, uh, you know, that might not necessarily be fake as it as as such. I don't know. Maybe their requirements are you must give it five stars. In which case, yes, it is fake. But you know, it it seems to me to be something that. I, I can understand why Amazon's irked by it, but Amazon's reviews are garbage, and we've talked about it before. We have. I have absolutely no faith in them. They're complete trash. I never trust a five-star review. I never trust a one-star review. I only trust two, three, and four-star reviews exclusively. Because well, I don't even know if I'd agree with that. I just think... It, it, the problem with Amazon reviews tends to be that you go, you go there and you'll see, like, five stars perfect or whatever one star didn't work at all and then a bunch in the middle and it's like well probably the person who didn't like it either just bought the wrong thing or it was a defective product or so it just doesn't help i don't think well we've been we've been discussing this at home actually because kate recently bought a set of uh, like a knife thing for cutting clay 
uh she was making some stuff with clay and does what to be fair to her she she does a lot and 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 often buys something that's a bit cheap and then complains about it and then buys a slightly more expensive one and wishes she'd done it that way in the first place um and she went to the extent of leaving a review to express a very carefully worded criticism for why this particular product was terrible and i thought well that's a good thing to do and i i also thought well i hope people pay attention to that and read it um then we talked about it again when we were thinking about buying a new sideboard for our spare bedroom because mm. i said i don't want to buy anything that's flat packed i only want to buy something that's solid and comes delivered in one piece yeah and kate pointed out that you can get some perfectly good high-end flat-packed stuff and then we're looking at the reviews on on a couple of websites and she was dismissing all the reviews that were low that were about being hard to put together she's like you can ignore them none of these products are hard to put together these are just stupid people so ignore those <laughs> I, I, all the ignore I'm those reviews. to agree with that yeah because it really isn't that hard i mean like even ikea stuff if you follow the instructions is not that difficult it's just there's a lot of steps and people get bored yeah and then the third reason this came up which isn't something we've specifically talked about is we're in the early stages of um uh, getting recommendations for a, a new kitchen to be installed and i got my shortlist down to five kitchen uh, fitters and um only included ones that were part of the witch what's it called witch trusted traders uh-huh. or something um because when you're buying a kitchen you know it's a it's an investment it's a lot of money yeah. and to me the value there in a kitchen is um is is enormous and i and I, and then i really trust those reviews more so than anything else at all so having a law uh, or potentially having a new law that goes some way to preventing and or, or at least as you described take aim at fake reviews or manipulated reviews i could not be more pleased to hear and i just hope that it turns out to be something well implemented after careful consideration and not a hack job as we've seen with several bits of legislation over recent years yeah I mean, I, that, and I, I don't hate any of this. Interestingly for me, you know, you know what I'm like when it comes to government legislation. I, I tend to be a bit, oh, what's the point? And I kind of am in a, a bit, but I also don't think this is necessarily going to cause problems. I think I, I worry a little bit that it might be used. It might be misused. I can see the potential for misuse. But um, at the same time, like yeah it all seems to be quite well-meaning i like anyone would be very happy to see the back of any kind of review fakery frankly yeah. well there's a there's a, a line in this guardian story and we will we'll link to the full piece as ever at uktechshow.com forward slash episodes the line is if the plans pass into law the competition and markets authority will be able to enforce consumer law directly and will have the power to fine businesses up to 10 percent of their global turnover for mistreating their customers so that is not an insignificant amount no. of, of of money and previously if you wanted to go after a company for having misleading reviews you have to take them to court which is lengthy potentially very expensive and someone has to pay for it yeah so the idea is is essentially that it's making complaining much much more accessible and punishment much more 
visible as a threat uh, and therefore uh, the deterrent is is greater which I, I, should be the, good i i don't, I, I, I must admit i haven't read the full legislation proposal I, I the one thing i'd like to see tackled more stringently are these fake reviews um or fake products using celebrities on facebook you know martin lewis money saving expert how it suffers this all the time where he's tied to like a bitcoin scam or something and there doesn't seem to be any particularly powerful legislation stopping that but by the same virtue you see a lot of those fake news report things uh when i worked at the mirror i noticed there were a lot of them using the mirror's basic look and i was like what the hell's going on here like why why are lawyers not all over this but it just seems like they're too hard to squash and again i, I feel like this this could be the same issue you know it the big companies are going to be very reluctant to ever engage in fake reviews and you know little companies who set up to sell one product for sort of a month while they get rid of their stock then disband the company and set up a new company they're going to be uncatchable and i think the stated example is you go to a five-star restaurant only to discover a burnt asani well there's already consumer protection for people that go to restaurants if you go to a restaurant and receive poor quality food you're not under any obligation to pay for it all you do is you say, right, well, I'm sorry, I felt that meal was completely substandard. I will give you this amount of money that I consider it to be worth, anything from, you know, a quid up. Um, and here's my name and address, and you can write to me if you feel like you that's uh, that's unjustifiable. But that is a law. Well, Nick makes a comment in the chat. Um, he says, I once put up a poor review, and the company concerned got a lot of people to downvote it on Amazon. Huh. So that's been, that facility's been removed. Uh, I, I wonder that because you all know that that's what I I've been banned from reviewing Amazon on Amazon. Yeah, I you know that that could be it. Um, it's annoying, but that's Amazon's it, not interested in good review, in any sort of meaningful reviews. I hate them. Mm, I know you hate them and you have a problem with them, and that's probably yeah. well founded. I your... feel attacked. That's the problem. Why? Because I'm an honest and integral, a, a very I use integrity in my reviews. I don't just jump on and go one star. Very good product overall, but one pound too expensive. You know, I'm the sort of person that... Well, I was a professional reviewer, for God's sakes. If I can't be trusted to give a review of something objectively, or at least as objectively as anyone who's purchased a product can be trusted, you know, I, I'm surely the person, or at least one of the people. I mean, there's lots of reviewers in the world. But you know what I'm saying, right? I, I feel like I felt attacked as if I was untrustworthy. And that 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 is, I would say that's almost a libel against me. And I should sue Amazon, I think. I might do that. Okay. You've, you've libeled me in your actions. Can you libel someone that way? Um, no. Because they're basically saying that they don't trust me. Yeah. And it's, but it's, it's, it's in their interest not to trust you. A company. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, um, there are some other interesting comments that came up while we've been talking about this. Mike asks, by disregarding five-star and one-star reviews, do you worry you're missing out on many genuine reviews? Uh, do I worry about it? No. Do I think I am? Yes, definitely. But I feel that a well-explained two-star review is more is more useful to me than a ranty one-star review that ian types with his fists and, and, and head 
<laughs> well, I feel like that was uh, a fairly decent tangent from what was ostensibly quite an interesting topic. Um, you're well within your rights to disagree. Why not post us a review? Two stars with good grammar, uh, at the very least. Five stars with absolutely no grammar or punctuation or attention paid to form or sentence. <laughs> Hello at uktechshow.com. And uh, to celebrate, um, I'm going to play some music. Here it comes. Well, I'd like to just take a, a, a minute while Ian giggles to himself about that something. That really tickled me. About something. What, what's tickled you? It was you? you. It was you going up to celebrate. I'm going to play some music. Here it is. It was brilliant. Oh, it made me laugh. Thanks, mate. I love tickling you. Prefer doing it in person, though. Nude. Um, anyway, I want to take this rather filthy opportunity to thank uh, some of our patrons, including James Carroll, DW. Carl Jakeman, Alex McQuilkin, some longtime patrons there, Neil Fisher, Hangdog, there's loads of them. Uh, you can join them and get the full version of the show ad free. Join our live audience like Gutherman's doing right now. We've got Luna, Mike, Nick, John, Kate, another Rich, another Rich. We had another Rich earlier. It's just, it's riches, it's wall to wall riches. Um, and I mean that both literally and figuratively. Um, we are a very wealthy group of people here, and our currency is love and respect. That's what it is. And if you want to be part of that, go to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. If you're one of those lovely, beautiful patrons, then you're about to hear this week's third discussion story all about adventures in to-do list management and how to get things done. And I'm looking forward to this. I bet you are, Ian. And, um, and, and here it comes with a bit more music to celebrate. Well, Ian, how, f- mm. how far on the edge of your seat are you sitting? Um... I would say my my bottom is around seventy five percent forward on the seat. Right. Okay. That's so. A- there's twenty five percent between my the end of my bottom and the back of the seat. That is an appropriate level of comfort to have because we're about to hear from Tom Merritt, who's going to tell you all the things that he's been on the edge of his seat for while talking about the week in global tech news. This week on Daily Tech News Show, should you trust mental health apps? I can already hear Ian saying no. So how about which <laughs> mental health apps might be trustworthy and how to tell? Plus, why Spotify created an island in Roblox. The other things we need to focus on regarding AI ethics that aren't bias. Not that bias isn't important. Our passwordless future is really here if websites want it. And how 3D scanning is preserving the world's history. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. He's not wrong. They're that all, man knows me well. He he does, yeah. Scary, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, a bit, yeah. Yeah, passwordless future. There's a lot of stuff been talked about that. I, I did consider talking about that as well, but I thought they covered it pretty well this week. Um, Apple and Microsoft and Google issued a joint press release, basically, announcing they were going to beef up their commitment to a passwordless future, which I thought was uh, rather interesting. Well, that's at uh, dailyticknewsshow.com. Thank you, Tom, very much. Thank you to all of our live listeners and our patrons and our free listeners. We love, love, love our free listeners because they are the majority of the listeners and they leave us reviews. And if you'd love to leave us a review, trust me, we would love you too. As long as it is an honest review, um, it can be two stars. But if you're going to leave a really bad one, make it a one star and spell it badly because that way people will know that you're a cretin and don't (laughs) have a valid opinion. Um, but whatever your thoughts are, do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really massively helps Ian and I, and we are eternally grateful, all jokes aside, aren't we, Ian? Gives us a little lift. It does, doesn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. Very good. For some reason, the music just restarted playing in my ears. Um, so should we just pretend this is our outro music? And I'll just manually... Why not? I'll just manually fade, fade it up. See you next week, Ian. See you next week, Nate. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.